You are listening to the message by Antioch Centre for the Nations. For more information, please visit www.antiochcenterforthenations.org. Thank you. It is a lot to do with faith um, when we persevere in this length, in this way. And my wife and I are sort of beginner missionaries when compared to you and Stephen, but um, we've had our share of troubles. And the one thing that's really kept us stable has been faith, has been the idea that there is something bigger, something in birth, something from God that's within us. And that is what we need to accomplish. And that is the goal. So I've titled the message, According to Your Faith, because for the whole of this week, I have had this sentence just like drilled into my skull, you know, about the times that Jesus told the people, let it be according to your faith. That all the things that happen and that are surrounded, that we are surrounded by, happen in a circumstance of this earth, but that reality can be altered if we stick to faith, if we let God with his faith affect us, that reality can really soon change. And so this is going to be not a, like a big study of what faith is and every single passage in the Bible, because we'd have to be here for probably two years. But it's basically just a summation of the passages that I found spoke to me about God changing our reality through faith. Um, and let's see, the beginning part, of course, the, the famous passage on faith is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And there's another translation that I really like that it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. The reality of the things that we hope for. Meaning, it's not physically there, but faith will show you, will give you like a pair of supernatural glasses to be able to see in circumstances things that you could never see before. And if we look at Jesus, that's exactly what he did time and time again. When he went to the village where the little girl was supposedly dead, he said, no, she's sleeping. Because he knew his faith was so strong that he could see in circumstances way beyond what their reality was. And so we're not how 100% there, some of us have made steps um, to this, to this uh, effect, but we will be able to study and see what the Bible says. So this is according to your faith and how faith affects reality. Well, the first verse that I took is um, Ephesians 2, verse 8. Um, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So the first thing that we see that's awesome about faith is that it's not from you. There's nothing you can do to churn within yourself faith. You can't stay in a room and hop around screaming faith, 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 and have something happen. You can't read yourself more cultured in faith. You can read all the books you want, but it's still going to be the gift of God, which means the only way that you are going to receive more faith and abundance of faith, whatever you want to encounter in faith, is to approach He who gives it. So He is the only one that can give it. It is the gift of God. It is His to give. And that means quite some awesome stuff. Number one, it means that it is freely given because we know that when God gives you something, it's freely given. It's freely given and it's always going to be there because it's eternal. So it's from Him. You're never going to have to run out of faith. There's never going to be a moment where you're like, oh, you know what? I don't know what to do. I should ask God, but I've already taken my allotted portion there's no way that he's going to give me more. 
that is a false statement. You can always go back and always grab more, but always to the source, never from yourself, always from the source. So faith is not self-conjuring. And the other thing is that faith is, in connection, the vision that God has for you. So if this is something that God's giving you, then he's giving you faith because he has something for you. So it is God's vision for you. We're going to see how that really equates in the next passages. Hebrews 11.6 is the next one. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So it says without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't do anything except from this faith standpoint. If it's his to give, the only way that we can please God is through faith. Again, going back to Jesus, Jesus was called then right after he was baptized and God spoke to him and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The only way to please God, the only way to accomplish what he's given to you to do is going to be through faith. Because to be honest, the things that God is going to ask you to do are going to be so insane, so crazy, so stretching you beyond your belief. And you might sit here thinking, I'm ready for that, as I did. I also sat and thought, I'm ready for whatever God has for me. I'm ready to confront the challenges, confront anything. But the things that were stretched out in my life were things that I could have never thought possible. Were things like patience beyond belief, to be able to wait for years and years on end for something to happen, to be able to want to have a baby so much and yet have to wait through this long, enduring process, to see a Bible that is so full of miracles, of wonders, of people being healed, of people being you know, brought to amazing encounters with God and never having that myself, having to fight with God for eight years before I found Antioch and I found the reality of the Spirit. These are all situations that have stretched me so thin. And I thought, how is this possible? How can this be God? Like Michael said, how could this be God? How could this testing and this trying be God? Because at the end of it, the product that comes out of it is this faith. And what you can now do, having gone through all those trials, is so incredibly insane. And the amount that you can get closer to God is going to be so incredibly insane, way more than you ever thought possible. Because of this faith, it is like a bridge. It is like the most amazing bridge that links you to God. You can walk on it, and you can make that bridge as much as a highway as you want. Depends on your faith. Now you can choose to make that a really rickety road with cobblestones and stuff in the way, or you can choose to make it a super highway. But that is your choice. But when you do make it a superhighway, then you got that connection. It's so instant, so fast. But that means you would have given up so much. If you think of how much it would cost to make a dirt path, I just get a shovel, I just run it through the ground, or I just hack down some trees, bam, I got a path. Now, if you're thinking about if I need to make a highway, like the big highways we got in Singapore, what's the price you got to pay to put that in? Man, you got cement, you got work, you got years of experience, you got all that, all that stuff that you're accumulating now, all the experiences that you're accumulating now, is so that your faith can be expedited, can be stronger, can be bigger. So the number one thing that you can do to, to stop this process is to give up. The moment you give up, the moment you stop, the moment you say, it's too hard, it's too much, I can't, 
I'll never be able to. That's going to be the one thing that's going to stop you. And it's going to be like those highways that are sort of built halfway across, but then you see sort of the, the part that was supposed to be connected, but it never was completed. And you think, man, look at that. What a waste. Look at all that money. I'm Italian, and like my country is like an expert. It's an expert at like wasting money. You know, it's like, if you want to learn how to waste money, go to Italy, spend a few years there, and they'll teach you. Because um, there was this fantastic project to build a bridge over to Sicily. Sicily is an island detached, and it would make so many things so much easier. And it was a great idea. Everybody was for it. And this was like 40 years ago, okay? And then it took 10 more years for them to like get an agreement with each other, and then 10 more years to start building it. And then halfway through, they ran out of funds. So there's like this half an oblong, really weirdly built bridge over Sicily. And I think they're starting to try to complete it now. But that's 40 years in the making. That's crazy. You know? Like, you know how much money has been wasted on this thing? It's just crazy. So don't do that. That's my point. Don't do that. If you're in a trying, a difficult situation, just keep on keeping on. I mean, you know that he is working out all things for your good. So just keep on keeping on. Don't stop. Don't, don't let it be too much. You know, let's keep on going. We're going to see, like, exactly what this word faith means in the Greek. It's, 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 it sounds a little weird. Pistis is called. Um, I can't say this without smiling. It just sounds weird. Pis, pistis. It's really weird. Um, maybe, maybe it's got a cool accent on it, like pistis or something. But it still sounds like a weird thing. Anyway, pistis, faith. Um, for the believer is God's divine persuasion, and therefore distinct from human belief or confidence. It's different from, I am confident to do something, because 9 out of 10, when God gives you an allotment of faith, you have zero confidence in yourself to do it. He says, oh, you know what? You're going to lead a whole community of German people, having had one week of German training, and they're all going to listen to you. And you're like, what? That's, not, that's definitely not how it works. I need to go through a school and a training and a thing. And God said, no, you don't need that. When we were first starting out, we thought, man, we need to go to Bible school. We need to go three years in Bible school, you know, do like a real theology thing. And God goes like, no, you don't need that. And he sticks us in the place where everybody around us has got a degree in theology. Every single person. And they're asking us questions about the Bible. You know, like, hey, how do you connect with God? And I'm like, are you for real? Didn't you spend, you've got like a master's, you've got five years in Bible school. You don't know how to, connect. how is that possible? How did that happen? You know, but that's the point. It's not about your confidence, it's not about what you can do. 90% of the time is what you can't do. So if you feel like you're thrown into the deep end, you're probably on the right track. And that's how you know. Um, it says yet involving it. Because at some point, you've got to go through with it. Now you can be cowardly and go, I'll never do it. Just go you know, Jonah your way out of it and say, ain't no way I'm going there. Or you can just say, you know what? I don't have confidence in myself. I don't have confidence in you. I have confidence in you, Lord. That's where I'm going to use my confidence. And that's how I'm going to go through this thing. And so the Lord continuously births faith in the yielded believer because we saw that it's his gift so they can know what he prefers. In secular antiquity, it's referred to a guarantee or warranty in Scripture, faith is God's warranty, certifying that the revelation he in birth will come to pass. So I love this because 
our concept of faith is not really the same here. It's what God prefers. It's God whispering in your ear saying, look, I'm going to bless you no matter what. I'm going to love you no matter what. But what I would prefer is if you go down this stormy path that has absolutely no foreseeable future. I don't want you to go to the clear, sunny path that looks like everything's fun and rose. No, not that. Pick the crazy part. That's where I want you to go. And so we yield ourselves to what God prefers, and that is faith. And that is all that is. It's a yielding and a continuous yielding to God's command and to what he asks for us. And once we get that in our heads, everything else makes sense. And all the other passages in the Bible make sense, like Romans 10.9, which talks about our salvation. We already saw it at the beginning in Ephesians, but here it's a little bit more clear. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there is a belief, there's a faith, there is something churning within you to get to that point to say, Jesus Christ is Lord, and you will be saved. And what this really um, makes evident is that faith is an action word. You know, you need to believe. You need to step out. God does that so many times. Now, I love the story of the Israelites in the wilderness because that applies to so many seasons in my life and it's constantly been such a picture because God brought the Israelites right up to the little, you know, the little, little margin to where the promised land would be. And he didn't push them over the edge. He didn't even yank them. He just said, you now make this passage from here to there, you do it. You make that happen. Jesus was always telling the disciples, you feed them. Because God is not interested in doing the miracle for you. He wants to do the miracle through you. He wants to give you the thing in your hand so that you can do it. He didn't just part the seas. He said, Moses, take your stick, use your stick, put it on the ground, bam, seas open. Why is that important? Why would God do that? Because he wants to inbirth faith in you. That is the whole point. Everything is about making you reach a point of making a decision. That's why you're always in stressful, constraining situations. That's why you're always on board a train having to jump off. Because God is going to bring you to that point where the only thing you can do now is make a decision. Are you in or are you out? He's never going to leave you in the gray zone. There's that letter to Revelation says, you are lukewarm and I spit you out of my mouth. Because being lukewarm is not God's thing. He's either going to put you in or put you out. you got to make that decision, though. And he's going to bring you to that testing point. And he's going to make it tough for you. But when you make that decision, look, you will be saved. And of course you're going to need faith because raising somebody from the dead is not something we see every day. I don't walk down the street, and I can tell you because I have a lot of non-believing friends. I have a lot of friends in many, many circles, and if I talk to them about any spiritual thing, they look freaked out. If I talk to them about, you know, I would love to one day raise somebody from the dead, I'm pretty sure they would freak out. I'm pretty sure reasonably they would go, that's unnatural. The dead belong in the grave. You're not supposed to be raising nobody from no grave, you know? But that's not what God said. God has an intention in moments and times and specific circumstances to raise people from the dead. And all of us here have the potential to raise somebody from the dead. It's biblical. It's in your Bible. It's in there. It's in your hand. It's the possibility at one point to be in a situation where the demonstration of faith will be so powerful that if you raise that person from the dead, it could absolutely change the circumstances of everybody living in that area. And so you need that faith. 
in the, and it's obvious that the only way that you can be saved is through faith because how are you going to get to the one who saves you without the way to get there, without the highway? You can't get, you can't, you can't sort of, if you understand a, a sort of a conceptual understanding of God, it's not the same thing. If people like have an understanding that God exists through all cultures, it's not the same as having a faith that has met and has absolutely had an encounter with God so strong that it will get you to say, man, he is Lord. He was raised from the dead. I was a 18-year-old at a youth conference when I received Jesus. I went because I wanted to date somebody. And the moment that the worship started, the moment that I encountered God, that God met me personally, not in a big room, not in a big sort of general understanding, personally, when he met me personally, that brought me to the point of making my decision to say, this I will follow. This personal God, I will follow. Nothing else has spoken to me so directly. And that was my moment to be saved. That happened in that trigger moment, to be saved. That's why when many, many people come to us and tell us, oh, you know, we want to do this, this, and that, and, you know, we just got saved and we just received, we often go and we try to find out, what do you mean when you say that you're saved? Because there's many, many circumstances where people have not really encountered God at all and call themselves saved. They will be in church services and call themselves saved, but will not be so. And you will see that. You, it's evident. They have an understanding of God. They have an understanding of Scripture. But guess what? Demons have an understanding of Scripture too. So that doesn't really count for anything. You saying you're saved is not the same as you showing that you're saved. You living your salvation. And it says we'll be saved. So it's not an instantaneous thing. I was in a whole school of doctrine for the first eight years as a Christian where they told me that it was all about magic formulas. Where if you said, Oh, Jesus, please save me. And if you repented and you said the words, then you were saved. That's it. I'm done. Now I can do whatever the hell I want. But that's not the case. That's definitely not the case. That's definitely not the way that Jesus wanted it. And if you think about the nine lepers who were healed and only one came back, the other eight went back and did their own thing. That's exactly what happens. People receive Mercy, they receive healing. And I'm sorry that I'm harping on this, but it just makes me so mad and so angry when I see this. When I see this in, in, in churches and in places where people receive something and go back to do their own thing. It was like the saddest thing that we saw when we first came to Germany. We were part of a church and they were so excited because about 20 people from Iran that had just come as refugees were going to get baptized. And we thought, man, that's so awesome. You know, this is God's plan. The refugees are coming. We're preaching the gospel. They're getting saved. And we go to this baptism. We've never met the people. We just got there. We go to this baptism. And there's these 20 dudes there. And they're smoking. And they're like, you know, you can tell that the, the language is kind of vile. They're checking out women there at the lake where we're doing this baptism. You know, we, we start talking to some of them. We realize they're, they're not interested at all to receive anything. A worship is happening. Not one of those people breaks down in tears. Not one of those people understands the way. When I got baptized, it was like the end of my life for me. It was like giving up something. It was, it was the most amazing, joyful day of my life. I would never, ever think that it's just an occasion for me to just be like lying around, whatever. Yet this is what we saw. 
And it broke our heart because we thought, how many people are like that? How many people are just going through the motions, saying the thing, but not really showing any kind of real repentance within? And so faith will do that to you. Faith will get you to the point where you are real, 100% real about whether you are in contact with God or not. The other thing that it influences is really like after this moment, the way you live your life. Because Second Corinthians 5 says that we live by faith, not by sight. This is probably the biggest part that spoke to me about reality. Because if you live by faith, your whole being is changed. Everything is different. You live by faith. That means exactly what we said before. You see something, but it's not what it is. Because by faith, you see something different. You see a bunch of people that are unreached. You see a bunch of situations that are impossible. You see healings that can't break down. All of that changes the moment you live by faith. And this should be our striving every single day to change everything around us and to adopt a lifestyle, a lifestyle of faith. Not a faith on a Sunday. Not a faith when you're talking to somebody about Jesus and suddenly you get your faith on, like a little button. You know, that you go, tick, okay, now I can talk spiritual with you. No, a lifestyle, everything permeated every second. Jesus could never, ever have done what he did if he wasn't completely 100% wrapped up in faith every single day. That was his choice. He made that choice. It was not an easy choice. It was an alienating choice. It had him not sleeping in his own home, had him sleeping outside, not having a place to rest, persecuted, abandoned cast away, backstabbed by the same people he loved, thrown away by the same culture group that he was trying to reach, the same people that had read the scripture, abandoned him, left him to die, all of that. So it's not an easy road. It's not an easy path. But he did it. He was yielded 100% with the Father. And I can tell you from experience, there is no greater feeling. There is no greater way to live your life than to live a life yielded to the Father. Because this world will destroy you if you yield to it. If you let the pride, the covetousness of this world, the, the, the greed, the fear of this world, it will rob you of your life completely. Take everything away. It will make you miserable. It will make you chase things that will never ever give you back what you give to them. And I know this because I grew up secular. And I saw how my parents got at the end of their life. And I'm not criticizing what they did. They did an amazing thing. They did a lot of sacrifice. But at the end of it, I know that there is a small emptiness there. Because they chased things that ultimately did not give them back what they put in. And I can see that they are still trying to fulfill their life now. And they haven't found vision. They haven't found salvation. The one thing that I got through salvation was not the security of salvation from hell. I could care less. The one thing that I got from salvation was direction and purpose. That changed my life more than anything. That somebody spoke to me and gave me purpose. Said, this is why you're alive. This is why it's important. This is what you should do. And I got thrown into all kinds of crazy situations, but it didn't matter because I got my purpose. And all of us should be striving and getting our purpose. I see my wife laughing or maybe crying, I don't know. Uh, laughing possibly because I said purpose in a really black way, I'm not sure. 
And so it was really nice to, to get that. But yeah, this is, this is important. This is so, so, so important to have purpose in life. I meet so many people that just don't burn. Don't burn for the calling. Don't burn for God's purpose. Don't burn for what God wants. And it just irritates me. I wish I could go in and just like light everything aflame, you know, but I can't do that. And that's the hardest part as leaders are people who are discipling people. And I know everybody here is going to have to at some point disciple people. When you're discipling people, this is the one thing that's going to drive you off the wall. Because you see the potential. You see how far that person could go. But by God, they're just not making the step. They just don't want to give it all in. And you just got to go in there and go in there and go in there. And eventually, hopefully it'll happen. But it's not assured. But this is important. Our lifestyle. Our lifestyle, our every being, every single day deciding that it is by faith, not by sight, not by what I see, but by my faith that I live. Mark 11, 20, 22 to 24 is the next one. It says, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. And it will be yours. I put this all the way down because many times we believe that faith is there so that we can receive the things we want. I want whatever thing. I need faith to get it. I want a healing. I'm not getting it. I don't have enough faith. Possibly. But the more important thing is look what he says. He says, have faith in God first. That's the most important thing. Have faith in God. Jesus says, it's not about the things you ask. It's not about how you ask it. It's not about the way you ask it. It's have faith in God. Build that relationship first. Your faith is going to be your mechanism to build your relationship with God day in, day out. Your faith is going to be the way to come closer, be closer, to, to, to learn new things, to understand new things, to see new paradigms. That is what that is. And that is what we need to do. I, had a, I have a ministry that is really, really taxing me um, in Germany. It's called Streetlights, and it's an evangelistic ministry that is hoping to reach out to people in the street, to, be, to, to speak to people and to pray with them, to talk to them. Sometimes it's just about offering people a, a listening ear, you know, but encountering strangers. And... When I first started, I had the vision. I knew what God wanted to do. I even had somebody to train me because there's a man called Todd White who does this, and that's his thing, that's his ministry, and he's got so much resource online, so it's easy to have somebody to like speak into my life and to learn from, and I was learning from Todd White, and I was going, I was preparing all these messages, and it's been two years, and it's been super frustrating because I, I'm not seeing what I've prayed for. And I don't know if you know that, praying for something and not seeing the result and thinking, what am I doing all this for? And then I realized that throughout the two years, I have prepared about maybe 200 messages. Over two years, I have worshipped at least for 30 minutes every other Saturday. I realized that because of this meeting, I'm now seeing the needs of the people so much more clearly. I'm realizing that because of this thing, I can now broaden my horizons to really what God wants. So sometimes it's not about what I want, because I want this ministry to be successful. I want people to come. I want people to receive. I want people to get healed. I want all this stuff to happen. 
But that is not God's interest. God's interest was to put me in this thing, to teach me, to equip me, to show me things. It was relationship. And the whole time I was missing it because I was thinking about the thing. I think about Adam and Eve in the garden, you know? And they're there. And they, got, they got the best relationship with God ever. They had the most infinite, intimate, the nearest, the most present relationship with God ever. I would die for that. They had that, yet they're looking at the thing. The thing in the middle of the garden. That's what they're looking at, the thing. And thinking, man, how can I get me some of that thing? I want to get that thing. It's right there. I can see it. Looks good. I could just reach out and grab it. Could go get it. There, look at it. So many. And that's what I'm thinking sometimes. I'm looking, looking at the people thinking, look, there's a guy in crutches. Look, there's a lady lying on the street, probably homeless. We could do something. We could reach out. We could build a program, something. God's like, no, that's not, my, that's not interesting for me. I want to build relationship. I want to build relationship with you, with the people that come here. I want that with you. And that's all he wants. It's all he's ever wanted with you. It's just relationship, just time with you. It's all he's ever wanted. And if we let go of all this need to achieve stuff, just let go of that. Don't need it. If you let go of all that need to achieve something, then you're going to encounter true relationship with God, and that's going to change your life. And that's going to bring about the thing. Because eventually things come. And I can tell you this because we have been financially blessed in our life more than I could possibly understand. I don't understand God's financial blessing because it never ever comes when I need something. It comes randomly when he decides to give it. And it's always for something that I needed, but I sometimes didn't ask him. Many times it just comes just out of his goodwill, out of his lovingness. And I know this because we were at the German sort of foreign domestic office that is within the city of Munich, and we need to get our papers done. And we're there, and they look at our statement of accounts. They look at how much money we got in the bank, how much is going in, how much is going out. And they're going, how can you live? You're like this much away from the poverty line. You, can't, you, you shouldn't be able to survive. You shouldn't be able to pay rent. We can't give you an actual title of residency because... In terms of our calculations, you shouldn't be able to live in the city. And in my thought, in, in myself, the only thing that I could think of, not only do we live, not only are we okay, but we're tithing. So whatever you see, there's actually a 10% off of that that's not even there. And I saw that as God's financial blessing on our life. And I thought, man, I, I don't know how all of this is possible. I don't know how, it doesn't make any sense. But it's there, but it's giving. And God is constantly giving. But it starts with relationship. It always starts with relationship. In the same way, our faith can help us to achieve something, but a lack of faith can stop you from achieving something. Have you, have you had that happen? There's a, there's a passage in Mark 9 that, that talks about this. It says, this is about Jesus encountering a man whose son was possessed by a spirit. And says, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? 
From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, in, in the following of the story here, the disciples ask, how come we couldn't cast this demon out? And then Jesus says, oh, because this one needs prayer. I want you to see something that this father's lack of faith was the issue. It wasn't the boy's sickness. It wasn't him being possessed. That wasn't the thing that Jesus was trying to heal. When Jesus came to this man, it wasn't because, oh, look, because how many times does it say they brought all the sick and all the demon possessed and he healed them? Which means he doesn't have to go through this whole thing. He doesn't have to ask the father, oh, how long has he been like this? You know, he doesn't, need to, he doesn't need to do this. But Jesus is trying to get that little thing out of the man. He's trying to get that lack of faith. He sees it. See, Jesus has got like a radar. And he can see in your life where you lack faith. And if you don't believe me, just go out and test this and ask God to give you faith. And he will show you the areas of your life where you lack faith by putting you in a situation that will absolutely make you beg on your knees and ask God, please, I beg you, give me faith to counter this moment. Because this is exactly the same. This father was desperate. And I know this feeling because I am now a father. And if my son was in this position, I don't know what I would do. I would be so helpless. And it's so easy for us to get so helpless. It's so fast for the world to start penetrating your mind, to start stressing you out, to start to make you think. And look, this word doubt, the word doubt that we've got, what it really means is overthinking. It means you received an awesome revelation on Sunday, but you went home and you thought about it, and then you, 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 bro you broke it apart, and then you start to see that it makes no sense when you break it apart because the pieces don't fit together, and then you go, oh, wait, that can't be right. And then you just erase it completely as if it never happened. And you start to doubt whatever God put in your heart. And if you let that doubt stay there long enough, that thing will be gone. That healing will be gone. That salvation will be gone. That revelation, it's all going to be gone. So this is the situation. This father has been in this situation with this kid so helpless for so long that he's going, there is no way to help me. We see a lot of healings in the cafe. Mainly because Pravina and I have prayed for so long that the cafe be a place where we encounter people that need Jesus. And for those of you that don't know, we work in a cafe in Munich. That's, that's a ministry that we use um, to, to speak to people, to encounter non-believers. That's, that's how we do that. And there was a time when um, I was just behind the counter and I was washing dishes in the cafe and I were, overheard a conversation that was happening at the counter, just not very far from me. And these two men are talking. And one of them is saying, oh, you know, it's just been so long and I've been dealing with this for so long. And he was speaking about a sickness. And he was showing to his friend and on an iPad the x-ray scans of his lungs or, or his chest or something. Just going, look, it's been, I, there's nothing I can do. It's just this situation. And the moment that I was there, just watched, I heard God so clearly say, I want to heal him. And so I said, okay. And then I went and I spoke to the man. I said, look, I don't know if you believe, but I believe in that Jesus Christ is 
a healer. I believe that he exists and that I believe that he wants to heal you because he spoke that to me not so long ago. And he said, a God has no time for me. I have been praying for this thing for five years. I, I am also a Christian. I'm a Catholic. And I just, I, I have never seen healing. It's just been too long now. I think God has better things to do. So this man had been dealing with this problem for so long that it just became insolvable. And I said, look, just give me one chance. Just let me pray for you one time. Because I really don't think that I can let you go unless you let me pray for you. And he said, well, whatever. Do what you got to do. So I prayed with him and for him. And his friend that was there was part of the church that we go to. And so I spoke to the friend and said, would you be able to take him down to the service? They went down to the service. They came back up. And the guy's friend went back home. No problem. And then um, about three days later, the guy, sorry, the following week, the guy comes back and says, hey, you know my friend, the one that came? He said, for the first time in five years, he's been able to sleep through the night. He's never had any kind of issues or anything like that. You know, I, I can't explain that. I don't know how it's possible, but, 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 but it happened. So these are the kind of things that, that can happen when we let loose that belief in people. And you can do this to people. You can speak this into other people. You can speak faith into other people. You can change their reality by being like Jesus and going in there and saying, look, that thing that you've got, I can help you with that. Because the, the moment after this, Jesus rebukes the demon in two seconds, it's gone. But the Father is healed for a lifetime. That completely changed his whole life and will never be the same. And that's exactly like the kind of things that um, faith will do in you if you allow it. Now we've only got two more verses. So Matthew tw 21, 22. It says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. And it's not the same as having things happen. This is about receiving. I, I meet loads of people who can give. Lots of people can give and give and give and do and do and do. Not a lot of people can receive, though. A lot of people have, like, a hole there where they are not able to receive. It requires faith. It requires you to open up. It requires you to break down. It requires you to be vulnerable for you to be able to receive. And like we said, faith is this highway. So it allows us to receive from God. If we allow this highway to be built, if we allow it to be there, and the thing that's important is this if. This if is so important. Because, because that doubt that we saw earlier, it can cripple you, it can take that away from you. So this is why I think the Bible says that we need to be like children. Because children will just accept something. Children will just take something. Children will just have faith in something. They will create a whole, a whole story around where they are. I'm in a jungle and there's tigers and there's things. And they can accept it like on a dime. It's no problem. We don't have that same thing because we're so learned, because we know things, because we've understood things. But in faith, be like a child. In faith, accept things. It doesn't need to make logical sense to you all the time. In fact... The less logical sense it makes to you, the easier it is to accept because you can just take it and forget about it. Do you know what I mean? Like you just take the fact that the Bible speaks about healing, that the Bible speaks about joy, the Bible speaks about repentance, the Bible speaks about all these things. Just accept it first. Don't try to break it down and use your own mind and conjuring. So we see that if we believe, we will receive whatever we ask in prayer. And we need faith in order to do that. And the last verse here is Hebrews 12, 2. 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This whole message has really been about this first portion, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's all it needs to be. That is your faith. Your faith is your process of fixing your eyes on Jesus, who is the one who started, the pioneer, the, the beginning, and the perfecter. In other, in other translation, it says, the one who completes your faith, the one who makes your faith whole. In other words, your faith will lack some bits, but he's going to make it whole. He's going to allow that process to be one whole and complete. Because, look, the faith that he had allowed him to endure the cross, to scorn his shame, because it was not the evidence of what was before him. It was not about the physical cross. It was not about, I'm being crucified, and this wood, and this. it's not about that. It's not about the pain of it. The scorn of being put together with thieves. You know, the shame of that. He, that didn't matter. That was not the point because he saw beyond that. And you can't, you can't go through something like this without having the vision from God to tell you that in the end it's going to be different. Because, I mean, I wouldn't be able to. I would be at this point being whipped and I would already be crashing. My world would already be crashing. My faith is not that strong. I'm not here yet. And you don't need to be here yet. The Bible says that you're allotted a measure of faith. That little measure of faith is what you've got to work with. Work with that. Start with that. Build with that. He's going to perfect it anyway. There's nothing you can do to make it. You can't, you can't go. I mean, you can. You can go to a, to a third world country where, you know, the laws are such that if you proclaim Jesus, you will be killed and get yourself killed. But it might not be the same exact thing. You can do the physical steps. You can do the same thing. But it's not going to be the same. You need to wait and you need to let Jesus complete that in you. Step by step, just work with the faith you're on. Work with what you've got. And that's really all there is. And, 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 and to, just to wrap up, I know I said I was done, but I lied to you because I was hoping to keep your attention for a while longer. Um, and this is a chunkier part. So, um, you know, I'm in church. I can tell you I lied. You know, it's okay. Uh, the pastor will pray for me later. First um, Peter for, uh, 1, 6 to 8 says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise. By the way, this means that it's greater it's more than gold, because gold will perish even though refined by fire. It may result in praise, glory, honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So your faith is going to get tested, but it's for gold at the end. And I want, I want gold faith. You know what I'm saying? And after a while, honestly, you go through enough trial and enough tribulation that you're like, all right, I can take more. I can take more. 
Because I have developed through these years, thanks to God's grace, not because of me, but thanks to God's grace, I have been able to develop a system that stands up to trials and tribulations. So whatever, you want to trial and tribulate me for two years, go ahead. It's only going to make me stronger. It's only going to make my faith greater. It only means that there's greater things to come. So if you're in a tough spot, if you're in a difficult situation, if you're in a time where you are just fighting, trying to understand what is going on, just know that He is perfecting your faith. And that is something to rejoice about. So this has been uh, just my, my little summation of, of, these, of these verses about faith and what I think it does to impact your reality. I hope that it, that it blessed you. It blessed me to prepare this message, honestly. Um, it was not the easiest process, but it blessed me so much because I got to see so much of what the Bible says about faith. And honestly, you could do a series for years just talking about faith passages. It's just never-ending. So the, the last thing I want to leave you with is that faith comes from hearing. And hearing comes from the Word of God. So the more, the more we spend time getting to know God getting in Scripture, the more we are going to see this faith start to work itself in our life. Thank you so much for your, your patience, and I just pray that God bless you. Amen.